All right, everybody. Hopefully uh, the three listeners that came from episode one decided to stick around for episode two of the Backlash podcast. Today, I'm joined by two people. I have Brad Hoppy, and then I have the original inventor of the cowgirl, Carrie Hoppy. How are you two doing today? Doing good, Jeff. All good. Carrie, you sound really happy to be here tonight. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm happy. It's all good. I say tonight, but it's actually daytime. I'd imagine most of our podcasting will be done during the day or at night, but I don't think either one of us are working too hard real today, so I figured we might as well knock a few of these out. I was until I came in to do this. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry I had Brad distracted. (laughs) Somebody has to work. Right? Yeah, I mean, since... You don't you don't have those forty people in the shop, Brad, getting stuff done. Uh, no, there's probably uh, <laughs> there's no one. In there's there nobody right now. in the shop. <laughs> we're sitting in our kitchen and uh, we're talking to you, Jeff, and hopefully a bunch of other people. Well, there'll be at least two other people. I'm sure my mom will listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could probably get our parents to listen too. Uh, right. I'd have to teach my mom how to do it. I she might try. My dad could probably figure it out. He texts, so that's good. Brad's mom would figure it out, no doubt. She's kind of a texting fool. She'll run us out of data every once in a while. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. it's just been raining here for over a week, man. It's unbelievable. I'm thinking maybe I should start building an ark. Um, we've got plenty of other boats, but I don't know if they're going to be big enough for the amount of rain we're getting. But. But do you have a jet boat yet, Brad? I don't have a jet boat yet. I've got several John boats, but do you have yours yet, Jeff? No, I don't. I um, we haven't sold nearly enough fishing lures this year to get that done. And uh, uh-huh. so, uh, honestly, I've been so busy with everything else that I wouldn't even have time to use it. I literally just got my other boat out to see if the motor works uh, last night, and as of the recording of this. The musky season in the north starts in Wisconsin tomorrow. So, um, yeah, I'm a little bit behind. So I don't think a jet boat would work. It would be getting used anyway. So right now I it's on the back burner. But it's definitely something I want to do because I think that we could hit up some really, really cool adventures if we had one. Well, you know, the, the crazy thing is is you might not need a jet boat on some of that water right now with uh, as much rain as we've had and as much melt-off and runoff that we had this spring. Waters, all the lakes up by me are super ultra-high. Um, uh, I didn't uh, Matt say yesterday the St. Croix is up two feet. Yeah, the St. Croix River, I guess, is up two feet from Matt Seifert's. Uh, uh, I was visiting with him last night, so... Water tables are a little high. Um, we're one week away, you know, from tomorrow. Um, I guess it's Friday today, but we're a week out from our musky opener here in Minnesota, and um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I no- didn't normally fish the opener. Um, I did again last year, and the primary reason is, is uh, a couple of different people have gotten in the boat with me on opener the last couple of years, and this this coming opener, Matt Seifert's going to be up. We're planning on doing some open water trolling, and uh, I, I'm a little nervous that uh, that the water temps aren't going to be truly conducive to it. But we'll we'll adjust and go from there. Yeah, I mean, in Wisconsin here tomorrow, it looks like we're finally going to get some warm weather. I think it's supposed to hit about 80, but then I think we see a 10 degree drop on Sunday, and we see another 10 degrees on Monday. Uh, yeah, it's just crazy how the water temperatures. I'm I'm anticipating maybe 50 degree water temperatures when I go up north this weekend for the opener, and 
I mean, that's just, that's unbelievable. Yeah, we're sitting around 50, but I'm a little nervous now the last, this last week with the amount of rain that we've had. We've had over two and a half inches of rain, and it's raining right now. Um, and it's been a cold, long week, and, and uh, I think the rain has been really cold. So I'm going to say surface temp probably dropped below that 50-degree uh, mark, and uh, it's a little scary. Hopefully the muskies got their thing done. Um, hopefully the spawn is done, you know, and, and generally not all muskies spawn at the same time, obviously, but I'd like to see a big, uh, vast amount of them spawned out and moving out to that deeper water to relax and, and kind of start putting the feed bags back on recovering from the spawn. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm anxious to see what we do. I know, you know, let, let's talk about tactic tactics for a second. Cause you're talking open water and, me personally, tomorrow when I get out, I'm going to probably go find, if there's any green weeds, I'm going to definitely be fishing shallow. Uh, that might not be my best shot at catching a giant, but at this point, it's been six months since I caught a muskie or even went fishing, and I think that um, I'm just looking for action, and I feel like that's probably a good, a good area for me to start. Do you think that's the same way on your lakes over there, Brad? Is there a, a shallow water bite early, too, on top of the open water bite? You know, it's really, it's amazing. Actually, I have a couple different buddies that are walleye guides, and they've actually been catching quite a few muskies with a jig and a minnow. You know, and they're out walleye fishing, and, and they're hooking some muskies. Um, and that's shallower water, you know, like anywhere from 6 to 12 feet of water. Um, that's kind of got me, I don't know, I, I, it's in the back of my head always. And, you know, it's amazing when I'm out playing in the open water. I usually do that the month of June until the thermocline develops. Um, once that develops, it's a casting bite for me. Um, the reason that I spend so much time in the open water is primarily because it's a great time of the year to catch a true giant, maybe a fish that nobody ever sees shallow. Um, as we all know, these muskies, a lot of them will hang out in that deep water throughout the whole season, and it's kind of a needle in a haystack. Um the neat thing about open water is that the fish, once they're done spawning, they kind of go out and, and a lot of times they're right on the surface and they'll be sunbathing. You know, that's what I call it. Um, they're sunbathing, getting that warmth and just recovering from, uh, from the brutal spawn. You do uh, have to be careful with it though. You do have to be careful with it. Once that thermocline develops, um, some of those fish were come from so deep that, uh, you end up hurting fish, and and that's a critical thing that Carrie just brought up. Um, but that doesn't normally happen until that first week of Ju uh, July. That's when you really got to start paying attention. But generally speaking, when I'm fishing the open water, I'm going to fish the top 10 feet. Um, I don't like going below that. Uh, for the most part, those fish are up in that top 10 feet of the water column anyway. But back to your point and your question, is there a shallow bite? Of course there is. There always is. Um, you know, not all muskies are going to go to the deep water. Um, well, they're always eating somewhere. Yeah. You just got to find them. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you could have the most, say you went for a weekend trip and you went musky fishing and you didn't do squat. Maybe you had a couple follows. Somebody on those days that you fished caught fish. You know, there's always somebody catching fish and you got to remember that. And so, if something isn't working, take the time to go try something different. You need to be versatile in this whole sport. There's no doubt about it. So hopefully that answers some of what you were looking for, Jeff. 
Well, so let's let's talk about something different. One thing I know I struggle with um, when it's time to change up is, like, typically for you, you have more experience with this than I do. I mean, I've been musky fishing for a while, but I don't I don't have the hours that you do. How long do you typically wait for? You know what you would let's just say you typically have an open water trolling bite and you've been out for five hours trolling the basin and you've gotten nothing like typically how i mean is is five hours enough is a day enough like what when do you just say all right there has to be a bite somewhere else that's the one thing i know i struggle with often is making the right right call changing tactics because obviously muskies i mean in a good day of a musky you know musky fishing putting one fish in the boat can be a really good day that's that's my goal when i go on the water i'm looking for one fish a day yeah i hear you um you know that's a really valid question i honestly um there's times when i get stuck in that rut too where i just keep pounding you know the the one thing about musky fishing is is that something that's maybe taken for granted um you're looking for those little windows, those little windows where they're actually feeding. And sometimes it takes a day or two to really put in your time to find out when those windows are, especially coming in on opener. You know, the neat thing about me being a guide, um, spending the time on the water every day, I kind of can put together a pattern, but not unlike everybody else. That's maybe a weekend warrior or whatever else. Um, you know, there's opening day. I got to learn what's going on. And and it takes a day or two. There's no doubt about it. You can't get stuck fishing memories either. I mean, some of some of your spots are going to be, you know, be fairly consistent year after year after year. But sometimes it's going to be, yeah, your hot spots right in front of you. But th- this next year, your hot spots thirty feet over. You know what I mean? You can't get stuck fishing memories because. The bottom changes every year. The weeds are different every year. The bait's different every year. Sometimes you just have to think outside of your comfort zone and reevaluate what you're doing, too. I would agree with that, Carrie. You know, I mean, I've always looked at musky fishing as being a puzzle. And uh, if you ever sit down to do a thousand-piece puzzle, how do you start? You start on the fringes, and those are some of your memories, you know, things that you've done in the past. And uh, you start putting that together, and hopefully that puzzle gets put together in, in a few days, and sometimes it takes a month. You know, it's it's a challenge. There's no doubt about it. Um, but, again, what you kind of said, and, and I agree completely with that, is you want to find those new green new green weeds it's definitely a key to hone in on uh, when you have that fresh green weeds, it's providing oxygen and uh, not unlike any other fish species, the, the, uh, the bait fish are going to be there as well as the, your predator fish, whether it's a pike or a muskie or bass or even a walleye. Um, I would say the biggest factor and the biggest change that I've seen in muskie fishing or fishing in general is side imaging. And when you start looking at some of these new side imaging units that Humminbird's putting out, it's phenomenal. It's changed the whole game. So honestly, you know, you, you start doing some laps and you're driving around in the open water, whether you're trolling or jigging or whatever else, I'm truly relying on that side imaging now. Um, there was a time when I didn't have that side imaging and just with down imaging, you were driving around kind of blind, honestly. But side imaging is a huge, huge tool for the success, not only in trolling, but also in casting. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, you know, we talk about baits a lot, but sometimes, uh, it's, 
under under talked about, I guess, um, underappreciated how important the new electronics are to putting it all together. I know that, um, man, I just, some of the stuff I've seen, I, I had an instance last year that I was out by myself and my plan had been to basically jig the basin because it was late, uh, it was late October. So what I did is I literally drove around for 20 minutes, probably in the spot trying to find the bait. And then I would, I side imaged a few different muskies. So I knew they were out there. It was, so at that point it wasn't necessarily, I wasn't playing the waiting. I wasn't playing the game, like guessing, are they there? At that point, I already knew they were there. It was just a matter of fine tuning what you needed to do to get them that day. Turns out it was a trolling bite. I mean, I, that that took a, that took care of it, and that's you know that that was that would be an example of using your electronics, but also changing up from where you thought you were going to be that day. Like I really, I literally only threw the trolling rod in the boat because I was like, well, whatever. If I get bored with jigging for a little while, I'll maybe give it a shot. But usually, this particular lake has a really good late season jigging bite, so I didn't even. I didn't even assume I was going to bring it. I threw two headlocks in my boat and that was all I had for trolling equipment. That's amazing. I think I seen that episode on your YouTube channel. Actually, um, you were kind of bouncing around, bouncing around. You just kind of said, ah, I'm going to try trolling. And, uh, you put the piece of the puzzle together that day. You know, on the other side of that, you know, um, this side imaging is a huge tool. Don't get me wrong, but it's not a hundred percent necessary. I mean, you can still do it. There's ways around it. Like, you, you're trolling, and say you're trolling in the middle of nowhere, and you catch a fish, you need to mark that spot. You need to waypoint that spot, and you need to hit it again. And then when you catch the next fish, you waypoint it again. And you can put that pattern together without having to drop thousands of dollars. It's much slower. You know, it's much more of a process. But if you don't have the money to drop on side imaging you know, I mean, they don't give those units away. Um, it can be done without it. I, I wouldn't disagree with that, Carrie. I mean, we didn't have it at one point. And uh, I just think that it's probably the number one game changer in, oh, for sure. in fishing a, in general. It's a super, like, learning curve saver. You know, I mean, you're instantly, you know what's going on. But, if, I mean, if you don't have the budget that allows you to buy a brand new Humminbird that the technology changes on every other year. No doubt about it. Then it can be done without it, you know? I think one of the, one of the neat things that, you know, over the period of years that I've guided and just fished, um, you know, I grew up fishing and the musky bug kind of took me, but at the end of the day, I remember all the hours. I remember having an old 350A Lawrence, um, it was a cool, cool unit, and I would spend tons and tons of time developing, you know, okay, this is a big, giant point out in the middle of nowhere. This is an inside turn, and I would mark them out on my GPS. And all of a sudden, one year, and I don't remember what year this was, uh, map cards were developed. And I was with you when you got your first map card. So 2001, 2002, yeah, somewhere like, in there? It was like somebody put a puzzle together. Right. It, it's, it's unique. You know, you, all of a sudden, all the hours and the time that I had put into developing my own map, map of the lake by dropping waypoints, you could go buy for $150. And you had all the time that I put in at your fingertips for $150. Pretty wild. Um, but all in all, the new the newest thing that's come out in electronics, side imaging, is definitely... 
been probably the biggest key that I've ever seen. I, I just blows my mind. It really truly does. Yeah. I mean, the advancements that we've seen in the last 10 years have been pretty spectacular. I would say I remember the same thing that you did. I would drive around the lake, like you said, and I would just drop a bunch of waypoints. I would have different icon, meaning a certain thing they had cut on the lower ants units. They had like a grass icon and that was weeds and a rock yep. icon and that was rocks. And I would literally go around I mean, I, I, this was when I had spare time. I would drive around the lake before the season started, and I would start mapping out early season weeds so I could go out there and fish. It was, and now I don't spend any of that time. I don't have the time to spend, but I didn't do it. Any, I wouldn't do it anyways. You know, another neat way to go out on the water. Um, say you don't have, like Carrie said, the budget to to drop that kind of money. Pretty much everybody has uh, GPS at their fingertips today, uh, generally speaking, but some cases, yeah, you can put map cards on your phone and things like that. But I, one of the things that I would tell people, um, you know, they, they're trying to find weed beds. They're trying to locate some of these areas that they want to go fish. One of the neat things that you can do, generally speaking in the mornings, it's usually calm. And what I would encourage everybody to do is get out there early, right at sunrise. It's a calm morning go out there and spend some time driving around like you just said jeff um you can do that and you can visually see those weeds and when you visually see them mark it out you know find the edges find an inside turn um put those marks on your on your gps and now when it's windy later in the afternoon you can actually fish them efficiently and position your boat and i think boat position is is a huge key in musky fishing no doubt about it I would, I would say that sometimes, you know, you talking about the, the looking around, I think sometimes we're all guilty of it now with the new electronics. We spend more time looking down than we do actually looking around at the surroundings and, and using, uh, I guess, your intuition to, to take you to, the, to the, you know, what you should be doing that day. I think sometimes that's lost with today's technology. There's no doubt about it. I mean, as you know, I mean, look around us. Uh, people are in their phone and they're dicking around on their phone. They're looking on their computers. They're it's amazing. You know, I mean, the world that we live in has changed a lot of things. There's no doubt. Um, but you can still do some of those old school things that actually will benefit you even more in some cases. Yep. I'll agree. So let's another, talk. Oh, go ahead. Oh, another thing I, I should mention is that, you know, last year on opener, um, my home water was really cold and we got a fish right away. We spent four or five hours still trolling and never seen another fish on site imaging we did i mean it was just brutal we weren't finding the bait we weren't doing anything we pulled the pin and we went to a smaller lake and the reason we went to that smaller lake is it was a little bit warmer the fish had already gone through the motions of the spawn and we actually started getting on some fish so that's something to think about as well yeah i would agree with that um i know that this year, I'm probably going to, you were talking about smaller lakes. I'm definitely going to probably start on smaller lakes. The temperatures are just too too cold for me to even consider some of the bigger lakes. I would imagine I'm going to probably start on a dirty, you know, stained water, smaller lake, see if we can't do anything to start with to get the season off to the jump start. I know last right. year, I know it was just a, I don't know how it was for you guys, but it was a struggle for us. I mean, we went and filmed a lot and we did, um, we did fairly well. But it wasn't easy. We had to work super hard to get every single bite that we could get. And I'm really hoping that it's not that way this year because I don't want to deal with that again. That's, I mean, it's tough mentally. It's tough physically. There's no doubt about it. Um, what we dealt with last year, I'm a little bit afraid to say this, but I think we're going to deal with it again this year. Um, 
the water temps didn't climb like they normally would on a normal year. And, and so far this year, I mean, we've had some warm periods, but it's generally speaking, it's been pretty cold. Um, yeah. I, I, what I really like about open water is when the water temps are slowly climbing and it pushes the Cisco's out in the middle of the basin. And when that happens, those big fish are following. There's no doubt about it. Um, and that, that's a huge key. So last year being that it was cooler temps, I had to drive like twice the amount of miles a day with the boat trying to locate these fish. And don't get me wrong. I was looking through pictures from last year on my phone and we caught fish throughout the whole month of June, but believe me, we burnt a lot more fuel trying to do it, you know, just searching and hunting for those fish because the Cisco's were, were everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one thing we haven't really touched on much, much, we talked about location a lot. Um, how about tools, Brad? I know that, you know, obviously when you're out there in the basin, it's probably going to be different maybe in Minnesota than it is in, you know, Green Bay or where I'm fishing up in Northern Wisconsin a lot. Um, typically, you know, on like Green Bay, if I was out there, um, I'd be throwing a lot of small baits, um, smaller bucktails, especially early. Or if I was going to do some trolling, I'd be throwing some, you know, I'd be, I'd be mostly running like shad style baits. Like in Minnesota, um, do you, do you subscribe to the small bait early season thing or are you guys going to be, you know, are, are you going to be out there with bigger baits? I, I've never subscri- subscribed to uh, small baits. Um, I'm a big bait guy. Um, and if I was in green Bay or say I was on twin Lake in Northern Wisconsin, I would still be using big baits and I've proved it over there multiple times, you know, uh, fishing the chip. Everybody says, no, you got to have small baits. Uh, I was with Tanner Wilds, I don't know how many years ago, 10, 12 years ago. And he's like, why don't you throw this supermodel? You know, the supermodel is what, 12, 13 inches long. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a bait that I thought I should go to, but Tanner's like, no, I've been super successful on the supermodel over here. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. And within a half hour, I had a 46 in the, in the net. You know, it's amazing. I am a big bait guy. And when it comes to open water trolling, a giant target is key to me. Um, I want, you know, we'll use our trolling girls. I, I catch a ton of fish on our trolling girls every year in the open water. Um, I'll use that. And then I'll use big giant crankbaits. Um, I'll use the 10 inch and 12 inch hex. I use the, uh, the mat locks, the headlocks, um, and the bigger, the better. Um, I use some big giant slammers. Uh, and a lot of 13 inch grandmas as well. So, you know, and all of those baits have different swimming actions. Um, what I will tell you is that I probably have, and that's and not because I own the company. I have more success probably on my blade baits in the open water than I do on crank baits, generally speaking. But you have to remember each one of those crank baits has just a little tiny different action. And those fish will kind of dictate what that action is that they want. You know, unfortunately here in Minnesota, we're only allowed one line per angler. And, um, that being said, it's kind of nice to, if you will, kind of create a refugee boat, get as many people in there as you can, so you can run more lines. Um, and I, I actually use a 24 foot John boat for this open water trolling. And the reason I do is it's just so handy to be able to throw some lawn chairs in there and we can put a bunch of people in there and cut the learning curve. I know I'm anxious to see it firsthand. I know I think we have a trip coming over to do some uh, filming for both your YouTube channel and my YouTube channel. And uh, 
Father's Day weekend, I think, right? I believe that's when it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, Jeff. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, and I was looking at your dates and I was looking at photos from last year during that time frame, and, and we were very successful. So yeah, nice. It'd be nice if we saw some decent weather before then. I mean, like I said, I, I hate coming, I hate coming back to the weather, but man, it's just been so brutal this year. It's unbelievable. It really has. And I, you know, sometimes mentally that can be kind of draining, but, uh, you know, it's amazing. Even when things aren't looking right, um, it's still achievable. And it's it's about time in the water. And, uh, you know, we talked about it in episode one, about hard work in, in our business atmosphere. Musky fishing is no different. What it really boils down to is who's willing to put in the extra time. And that's what it's about, you know. And with that time, taking advantage of um, all the technical side that we have at our fingertips. But not only that, but also the... Uh, being willing to change up and, and make changes throughout the day. And uh, it's it boils down to hard work. That's what it really truly is. But the success, after you work hard, it tastes so much better when you actually are successful. So, Right, unless you got a camera going in your boat and you have two days to put a muskie in the boat and that hard work starts to turn into stress and you're like, man, did I just travel this far and fish for two days for nothing? Um, then it starts so, to be a little a little bit stressful that way, but, um, like I said, hopefully it's not that way. I, you know, just getting back to the weather. I know that we've talked about how bad it's been, but I, I've talked to a lot of people in the Southern part of Wisconsin and the Southern people in Wisconsin have done pretty well. I mean, it, it, it doesn't sound like it's easy, but it sounds like they're, the fish are still active and biting. So I would assume that, you know, nor in Minnesota in the Northern part of Wisconsin, if you're willing to work hard, like you said, there should be opportunities for you. There's no doubt. I mean, I, there's been quite a few good bites over there in Wisconsin from what I've heard. And it, it's kind of one of them things where it's pretty encouraging for us to think about, you know, when you got guys already catching them in the Southern zone over there, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what's going to happen this year for us. You know, I was just thinking about the, you know, the, the season coming up and I, you know, not to run, rub this in your face, but I was just thinking, man, if I had some rabid squirrels, I could probably really dominate the next couple of weeks, but. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're, they're coming actually. <laughs> they're coming really soon here. Um, you know, <laughs> we've been in production here for what, Carrie, two months on it. Um, yeah. we're just trying to build up a little bit of an inventory and, and it's funny. I just got a, a text earlier today from Kevin Cochran. And he heard through the grapevine that we ended up with rabbit squirrel. And he was wondering if he could say musky mayhem, rabbit squirrel. Um, and I said, yeah, go ahead. It'll be in your article. I think when will that one drop in another month or two? Um, so, yeah, I, it's happening. Um, we're building. We're trying to get an inventory put together. And the stores will be seeing them sometime soon. Um, since you, since you, uh, brought up musky hunter i want to just talk a little bit about carrie i guess carrie's got an article in that same that same issue of musky hunter is that right carrie i think so i think that's when they're putting it in there and what are we talking about because we're not talking about jet boat excursions because you and my wife keep turning me down i never said anything all i said is at some point you have enough boats just like my own husband has enough. is that is that even a real thing too many boats (laughs) i don't i don't even know if that's real like that I think a fleet, a fleet of boats is where you should be. Oh, I mean, what, what defines a fleet? I think it's like two, I think it's like six. No, we can't combine fleets though. You got to go by each individual you fleet. 
you have a large fleet already. <laughs> um, it's the articles about um, equipment and f- equipment for women and basically um, making it easier on yourself as a female by getting the equipment that fits you, whether it be rain gear or rods or reels or even baits. You need to you need to find what fits you to make it significantly easier on you so that you can you can fish all day basically um i know like like for me some of the stuff that brad uses doesn't work for me i i my wrists hurt or my back will hurt or whatever i needed my own stuff that was that worked best for me same with ring gear and even some baits he'll throw baits that i you know i know they work and they're great baits, but I'm just not doing it because it just doesn't work for me. You know, there's, if you want me to fish all day, I need to, to do what works for me instead of Jeff's going to hand Melissa his, his favorite stuff, but it's made for him, you know, and, and it's not going to work. It's just, it'll work for a little bit, but then, then she's going to hate it and she's never going to go with you again. There's a better there's a better chance that my daughter Alexis would probably be fishing with me as opposed to my my wife. My wife yeah. knows way more about every single musky bait in this industry and the manufacturers and how much they weigh and every single color, but she will she has never come out musky fishing with me aside from one time uh, right when they opened up northern Wisconsin to trolling, I took my daughter out cuz she had always said, "Dad, I want to go musky fishing." And I'm like, I just don't want to ruin you yet. You're too young. You know, if I take you out there and you cast for two hours and it, we don't see anything or catch anything, which is a very real possibility in musky fishing, like you're right. never going to want to come back out with me again. So I'm like, just settle down. They're going to open up trolling in July. We'll go out and do some trolling. And that was the only time I think Melissa's ever come out musky fishing with me. Um, fortunately, maybe was, you should buy her her own equipment. Maybe. I mean, she's got a pretty good job. She could probably buy her own equipment too. <laughs> That's not the point, Jeff. <laughs> so basically, I need to purchase the equipment for her and then force her to go. Is that what you're telling me? No. Oh. No. You need to. You might want to just stick with Alexis. I mean, um, I think so. What, what we should what we should do, Jeff, is you know our daughter. Um, she's eight now, but she caught her first muskie. She's five. She was five. Five, I think. Yeah. So Mika caught her first two muskies when she was five, and she lost a couple and so on and so forth. And we had to help her hold the rod because she wasn't strong enough. But, you know, that's what one of the neat things about the open water trolling, I would say, as well, is that you can get out there, and whether you're an older person that can't stand and cast all day, it's a great option. Um, If you're a youth that isn't strong enough to be able to manhandle a rod, if you will, all day long, it's a great option. Um, what we should do, Jeff, is get you and your family up here next June, because uh, I know we're kind of out of time this year. My calendar's pretty full, and I know yours is as well. Mm-hmm. But maybe maybe we should plan a couple-day trip next year with your family. That'd be awesome. That would be pretty cool, because hopefully you're a better guide than Alexis's dad, and you could get her on a muskie, because <laughs> I haven't put her on one since. Not, and we, and which, you know, oddly enough, we've actually had action. We haven't done a lot of it lately, because the I got two younger sons and they wanted to go out and they're way too young to be casting yet, in my opinion. And, uh, so we did some trolling with them and Alexis gets mad because she doesn't want to troll. She always wants to cast. And our last couple casting trips, we've always seen fish. We just haven't hooked one yet. 
So hopefully this year we get to do that. But yeah, it'd be great. I mean, we should definitely consider doing it. It'd be um, it'd be a fun time, and then Alexis can catch a a regular size fish because the one size the one that she got it was perfect though because for her first muskie it was I don't know maybe thirty inches so she was able to handle it all by herself and um, so it worked out well. And the, co- cool. coincidentally, down that same trip, my son Austin, who is uh, let's see here, he's five five years yeah he's eight so he's five six years younger five years younger than alexis he ended up gets up he get he got a pike that was actually bigger than alexis's muskie so that was so that was a fun trip but yeah it'd be great to get up there i'm sure they'd enjoy it i know that you know my kids for sure like getting out um plus obviously you know it's just good for kids to have that background oh there's no doubt i mean that that's an aspect that we should bring to this whole podcast as well as the youth um it's amazing to me that, you know, over a period of years, uh, the age of musky fishermen, it, it's kind of scary. I'd like to see some more young people involved. And the only way we're going to get those young people involved is if we take the time to get them out and actually teach them. So it's important. I agree. I mean, I think it's important not only just to get them out musky fishing, it's important just to get them out fishing. I mean, I didn't particularly, I, I didn't jump into muskies from nothing. I, I mean, honestly, as stupid as this sounds, I was out uh, crappie fishing with my dad, a little John boat, not a jet boat, a John. And um, <laughs> and uh, so anyways, we're catching crappie after crappie after crappie. And, and it was like they were small, but anyway, it was fun, but they were all small, pretty small fish. I mean, there was nothing that was that great about it, but it was just a good day to get out. And I, like I said, I went fishing with my dad and that was good, too. So. I get home and at the, at the time there wasn't DVR. I used to record a a show on my VCR called North country adventures. And if you know what North country adventures was, that's keys outdoors before it became keys outdoors. Yeah. So just so happens that Steve Jensen's on the show that day and they're catching muskies and like any, any other, you know, TV show, they don't, they don't usually show, I mean, keys does it now. He shows the struggle, but they don't usually show the struggle. I'm like, man, that looks like it, it was so much more fun than what I just got done doing. I got to try that. <laughs> and I honestly just, um, you know, I booked Steve off of that. To, I mean, I went up, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a try. Research, bought a musky hunter, found out what I need to do. There was YouTube back then. So I couldn't just, you know, YouTube, what I'm going to do, uh, picked up a bunch of equipment, went out a bunch of times and I was like, yeah, this sucks. Like I didn't see, I didn't seek anything or catch anything. I didn't, I wouldn't say sucks, but it just, you know, you're, you're missing the action aspect of it. So I called Steve. I went up by Steve literally 15 minutes into it. He had a muskie in the boat and I'm like, what is, you know, like, what's the deal? What was I doing wrong the whole time? Turns out we just got lucky, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, Steve's a great guy. I fish with him a lot. You know, guys that follow us on YouTube, they know, um, they know they know his his abilities, but um, so it just you know goes to show you that you don't have to start out with muskies. It's just good for people to get out, enjoy the outdoors, and um, you know have a good time with friends. I mean that's kind of what it's about some of the days because you and I both know it's not always great. That's for sure, you know, and I I would agree with you, Jeff. My stories are similar as a youth. Um, my dad had the dream of uh, fishing muskies, but. You know, I honestly, I didn't really get into the musky thing until quite a few years later. Um, and so I agree. The roots start with panfish, if you will. And and then it might slip into bass or pike. And then it kind of, the walleye thing is kind of neat because now you take time to, uh, to learn patterns of a walleye. And each fish and each species 
a little different. But eventually, um, at least for me, I switched to the musky thing. And why? Because it was challenging. And that thrill of the hunt is uh, is a big part of the whole thing with musky fishing. Um, I love it. I love every aspect. Last night, actually, we were down on a, on a little fishing pier. I mean, you don't need a boat in a lot of cases. We were on a fishing pier with lighted bobbers and Mika caught a, a walleye, you know? Um, it's huge. She fell asleep in the lawn chair shortly after that. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, the, the cool part is, is that um, the roots of fishing, it's, it's huge. It really is. The family aspect. Um, being outside in the outdoors and, and the activity is it's it's huge. Take the time to take the youth out. Well, Carrie, before we wrap it up, you want to talk about why you decided to get involved in musky fishing? I know that some days I wish I wouldn't have. Oh, many days I wish I wouldn't have. Um, I fished my entire life with my grandpa, and I remember being, I don't know, 11, 12 years old and said, hey, grandpa, Maybe we should go fish some muskies. And he looked at me and he said, that's way too much work and we don't have the right equipment. And then, and that was it. That, I mean, it just, I'm like, okay, you know, so we went back to fishing bluegills. And, um, when I met Brad, then he was musky fishing then. And then that's how I got into musky fishing. Um, even then though, she didn't want to cast right away. She sat there after seeing a few follows. She's like, can I try this? You know, and, and that's part of it, too. Well, I never casted with a bait caster either, so I didn't really want to make a complete fool out of myself. Well, you do that without casting. True, true. But, um, yeah, but, I, you know, I can't, I'm one of those people that can't get enough of fishing. Um, so I'm the reason why at 10 o'clock last night we were standing on the pier trying to fish walleyes or whatever would pull those bobbers down. And we were, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not picky. If you want to, I could sit on the end of a dock and catch bluegills all day long and it wouldn't break my heart one, one bit. But muskies, I, I like to thrill the hunt of muskies. I like trying to figure out how to do it, how to, you know, figure out the open water trolling thing, figure out the, the, um, casting thing and, you know, the deep water versus the shallow water and what baits and why and, I, I like the puzzle of it. Um, I didn't ever guide, but when Brad was guiding by himself, then I would run my run my own boat with some friends of mine or my brother or, or whatever, and it was fun. We caught fish. It was good. I think one of the neat things, Jeff, that Carrie can bring to this podcast is the woman the woman perspective of musky fishing and. You know, she's done it a long time. She probably started in 2001-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been very successful, caught a lot of big fish. and have been skunked know, quite a bit, too. Well, she brings uh, she brings something else to this podcast, that's for sure. You mean the woman's perspective isn't trying to talk us out of buying jet boats and expensive electronics? That woman's perspective? I uh, Hopefully not too much of that. Side. <laughs> I'm not trying to talk you out of it. I only asked how many boats do you actually need? Uh, I for sure need one for each child, for sure. And if we have less, and I have a lot of children, so we need oh, lots yeah. of boats. Yeah, Melissa has five. Yes, she does. <laughs> I'm I'm probably I'm probably the worst, aside from Zach this morning. So yeah, you you have four. Melissa has five. It's yep. Awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
All right. No. Well, I th- I th- well, go ahead. No, it's it's all it's good. We're good. All right. Well, I think we've eroded along enough into this podcast. We're going nowhere now. Um, it's I'm been... with you. I think one thing though that you should do, Jeff, is share the email and encourage our listeners to actually uh, shoot us an email and and ask some questions and and uh, show us a route on what they would like to hear. Yes. So. From episode one to episode two, in that 20 minutes it took to shoot this, we, w- we set up an email address. The email address is backlashpodcast at gmail.com. Now, if for some reason I'm wrong, I'll correct myself in episode three. But I'm, <laughs> I'm fairly positive it's backlashpodcast at gmail.com. We also set up a Facebook page for this podcast, and that one again is backlashpodcast on Facebook. I would imagine maybe at some day we'd have an Instagram page, but I don't know who's going to run that because I don't have enough time to hardly run my own Instagram page. I can do that. We'll figure that out. I think uh, I think we can get there. I th- I think so. Um, you know, again, um, so you know, just to you know, like I said, we don't want to be real commercial about it. Um, my name is Jeff. I own a company called Team Rhino Outdoors. You're speaking with uh, Carrie and Brad from Muskie Mayhem. You guys have anything to add before we sign off? Well, I'll tell you what. Let's uh, wish everybody a good season and um, happy. What's well, I was gonna say happy Memorial Day. Yeah, happy Memorial Day. Um, I don't know. Let's go create some mayhem. Let's do that. All right. Well, stay tuned for episode number three. I think we're gonna probably talk to John Betty from Stealth Tackle in that episode, Brad. Yeah, that um, sounds great. Ho- hopefully, Carrie will want to get involved too and talk to us. Sure. Hopefully, she's got another half an hour to spend with us. Um, it's always good to have her perspective. She, much like, I mean, I'm sure guys know that women think differently than men do, clearly, and um, it's good to have that. It gives us a different perspective from from that side. Some, sometimes, Jeff. Yeah, sometimes I mean, it, it is as long as we're talking about you know ways to attack a muskie, not necessarily ways to not buy expensive electronics and jet boats. That's a problem. <laughs> I'm just saying, you don't have to do all that. You can do it if you can't afford it. I didn't say. I just well, you're I talking can't, the wrong because I, I dropped I don't know how much money on expensive electronics and boats this year. So well, I can't, I can't afford it. I can't afford it, but that doesn't mean that I don't want it. I mean, <laughs> think about how, right? think about the drone footage we can get in the middle of a secluded river with no other boats around in this awesome jet boat. It'd be amazing. Someday. I get it. I, it's I, all about YouTube channels. Yes, exactly. Speaking of which, <laughs> uh, I, I know I don't want to keep dragging this out, but I have a, we have a YouTube channel. Team Rhino Outdoors has a YouTube channel. And Brad, why don't you quick give a, a rundown on your t- YouTube channel, what you guys plan on doing this year also. You know, we have a, we have some content out there on the Muskie Mayhem Tackle. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have some content out there on the Muskie Mayhem Tackle uh, YouTube channel. Um, we went back into some archives and pulled up a couple different episodes that we put together years ago. I used to do video production and, um, the neat thing about it is, is we're going to really get back into it again this year and do a bunch of filming. So, you know, at some point we'll talk about it here on the podcast or our social media and such, but we, uh, we will be putting together some episodes for YouTube this year. So kind of excited about doing that. I love the filming aspect. Um, it's challenging, like you had mentioned earlier. It can be frustrating, but for some dumb reason, I like that. Yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, I had I had a good time doing it last year. That's why we're doing it again this year. It was fun. I mean, it was frustrating, like you said, but it was still fun. Uh, it also, you know, for me, 
um, you know, we've talked about it before is how busy things are. And, um, it just forced me to get out on the water, which is honestly the reason why I started the business that I started. Cause you know, for the passion for the industry and the passion for the business and the passion for musky fishing. So, but anyways, we can talk more about that a different day. Uh, I think we should, uh, wrap it up. Thanks for being here. We'll see you guys all in episode three. Thanks everybody.